welcome to day 199 of Shaped by the Word. We're in our third season together. We've done the story of the New Testament. We've done the story of Scripture as a whole. We've had selective readings going all the way through the story of Scripture. And we're doing the story of the prophets you know, this year. And we're in one of the major prophets. And by major prophets, I mean that they, uh, they've written more than other prophets. The messages are you know, pretty much in harmony. But we've deeply enjoyed reading through you know, Jeremiah. And there is a mosaic, you know, of both, you know, God's calls to repentance, his announcement of judgment, and then, of course, his proclamation of a hope that is well beyond the moment and well beyond the judgment and a time when his people will be faithful, you know, to him. So we're in Jeremiah, you know, chapter 34, and this finds us right on the edge of the impending judgment or the impending destruction of Jerusalem, you know, by Nebuchadnezzar. There is a brief moment of repentance that comes from, you know, the final king Zedekiah, but as soon as it looks like things are in the clear, he and the people take it back. And, of course, it's a dangerous thing to break a covenant with God. So we're in Jeremiah 34. I'm Paul. here with Cindy, David, Matthew. Uh, as we continue to uh, read through Jeremiah. Sandy, before we read, do you mind lifting us up with a word oh, of prayer? Sure. Father, thank you for this time in your word. Um, these are hard words to listen from um, your servant, Jeremiah, Lord, but they're so needed as uh, we're reminded that obedience and um, listening to your word is very important. So, Father, just ask that as we read this, that our hearts would be convicted appropriately, Lord, or encouraged as needed. And we thank you for the work of the Spirit in our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Jeremiah 34. <clears throat> While Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army, and all the kingdoms and peoples in the empire he ruled were fighting against Jerusalem and all of its surrounding towns, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Go to Zedekiah, king of Judah, and tell him, This is what the Lord says. I'm about to give this city into the hands of the king of Babylon, and he will burn it down. It will not escape from the grasp, but will surely be captured and given into his hands. You will see the king of Babylon with your own eyes, and he will speak with you face to face, and you will go to Babylon. Yet hear the Lord's promise to you, Zedekiah, king of Judah. This is what the Lord says concerning you. You will not die by the sword, and you will die peacefully. As people made a funeral fire in honor of your predecessors, the king who ruled before you, so they make a fire in your honor and lament, Alas, master, I myself make this promise, declares the Lord. Then Jeremiah the prophet told all this to Zedekiah, king of Judah, in Jerusalem, while the army of the king of Babylon was fighting against Jerusalem and the other cities of Judah uh, that were still holding out, Lachish and Ezekiah. These were the only fortified cities left in Judah. And the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord after the king Zedekiah made a covenant with all the people in Jerusalem and proclaimed freedom for the slaves. Everyone was to free their Hebrew slaves, both male and female. No one was to hold a fellow Hebrew in hostage. So all the officials and people who entered into this covenant agreed that they would free their male and female slaves and no longer hold them in bondage. They agreed and set them free, but afterward they changed their minds and took back the slaves they had freed and enslaved them again. 
And then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I made a covenant with your ancestors when I brought them out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I said, every seventh year, each of you must free any fellow Hebrews who have sold themselves to you. After they have served you six years, you must let them go free. Your ancestors, however, did not listen to me or pay attention to me. Recently, you repented and did what is right in my sight. Each of you proclaimed freedom to your own people. You even made a covenant before me in the house that bears my name. But now you've turned around and profaned my name. Each of you has taken back the male and female slaves you had set free to go where they wished. You forced them to become your slaves again. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. You've not obeyed me. You've not proclaimed freedom to your own people. So now I proclaim freedom for you, declares the Lord, freedom to fall by the sword, plague and famine. I will make you abhorrent to all the kingdoms of the earth. Those who have violated my covenant and have not fulfilled the terms of the covenant they made before me, I will treat like the calf they cut into pieces and then walk between its pieces. The leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the court officials, the priests, and all the peoples of the land who walk between the pieces of the calf, I will deliver into the hands of their enemies who want to kill them. Their dead bodies will become food for the birds and the wild animals. I will deliver Zedekiah, king of Judah, and his officials into the hands of their enemies who want to kill them to the army of the king of Babylon, which is withdrawn from you. I'm going to give the order, declares the Lord, and I'll bring them back to the city. They will fight against it, take it, burn it down. And I will lay waste to the towns of Judah so no one can live there. Yeah. You have a, a promise to Zedekiah in the beginning that he uh, will not be like, you know, Jehoiakim, who, who we'll read about tomorrow. We're going to go back in history, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of decades uh, as, as we read about tomorrow. He will not be one who's, you know, laid waste and whose body, you know, rots in the fields of, of battle. But uh, he will be captured and he will be taken. He will actually, in the end, eat at the table, you know, the king of Babylon and enjoy a peaceful end, although he will be buried in Babylon and, and not in Jerusalem. And, and so as Nebuchadnezzar, you know, coming around the city, Egypt comes up, you know, from the south. And as Egypt comes up from the south, <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar briefly withdraws to deal with Egypt. And, and so the people think they're out of the clear and they go back on their promise to God. Promise they made you know, in desperation, hoping he would rescue them. At the last moment, they feel like, oh, well, we didn't really need you, God, so let's you know regather our slaves and you have a you have a nice picture you know of of the covenant ceremony uh that we see back you know in in genesis with with abraham uh, where god puts him asleep and abraham has prepared the sacrificial animals and he walks between you know and and not he walks but while he's in his sleep there's a pot of you know firing smoke that goes between uh, the carcasses and you are in effect saying if i fail to keep these promises uh, you know, may this, you know, happen to me. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, in the case of Abraham and his descendants, uh, God never failed to keep the promises, but mm-hmm. he took the calamities of the curse on himself. And he was uh, shattered or slain, you know, for our failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a what a contrast, right? It is, we see that <clears throat> image of a God who keeps his covenant. And yet mm-hmm. here we see the people continued to rebel even after saying, you know, okay, we will do what you've told us to do. No, no, actually we won't. You know, we're going to go back on our word. We're going to go back on what we said. And he even says, you even made a covenant with me before me in the house that bears my name, but now you've turned around and profaned my name. And just how quickly you, the these people are to to rebel against God, to to change their mind, to return to their old ways or really their ways. 
you know, and, and just to, we just see rebellion time and time and time again. Yeah, as we like, or as I jokingly say, at least we don't do that today, right? <laughs> then we see that, that, that human condition of like, well, let me just stack up some good devotions and get some frequency at church to make the Lord happy so that these things will go my way. And then if it doesn't go our way or, or whatever kind of, we just go back to, and this. I feel that cycle so often in my own life. And as I talk with yeah. people, they feel that cycle. And, and yeah, we see that here. And so the Lord's like, you won't give freedom to your people. <laughs> so I'll proclaim freedom for you, freedom to fall by the sword, plague and famine. That's yeah. the freedom you get. Very often we define ourselves when things are very desperate, that we make very desperate promises to God and we clean up our act and live righteously, you know, for a short time only. You know, for those you know, promises to be short-lived whenever, you know, things seem to, you know, work out well for us. And, and so it is, you know, just a deep pattern of sin uh, that we uh, we turn to God, you know, when, when we're desperate and we turn away from God when, you know, things are, you know, things are going our way. And I was uh, couldn't help but see kind of a pattern here that as we treat one another so god treats us you know even in the lord's prayer you know forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors you know as kind of as we um as they were called to give freedom they took it back and then they lost their freedom so yeah. there was a provision you know for an israelite who uh, found himself in financial calamity to sell himself to another Israelite for a season to work off his debts and restore his fortune. Um, but that was always, you know, short-lived. Uh, every seven years, all the slaves would be set free. Every seventh, seventh, or the year of Jubilee, uh, all land and all fortune and all debts would be forgiven and restored as well. So there's there's kind of a reset mm -hmm. uh, that's placed into the mechanism, you know, of Israel and their dealing, you know, with each other. And, of course, we find out here that they've never kept this covenant, mm -hmm. uh, that the rich have um, and take advantage of the situation of the poor, and they've not been willing to be restorative in, in that. And, mm -hmm. and, of course, you see it quickly here. Mm -hmm. no, it's so easy as part of the human condition to you know exploit those around us for, mm -hmm. for gain and to use people in a way that they can help us, not in a way that we can help them. And mm -hmm. I mean, the invitation of Scripture time and time again, and even the invitation of the New Testament is, as as it's phrased so clearly, don't just look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And, and there's so many invitations from Scripture to be concerned for other for the for for others rather than just self. And I've seen yeah. that time and time again as we've gone through the prophets. No, even in our <clears throat> sinful tendencies, we uh, we don't love you know our neighbors as ourselves. We love our neighbors for ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, for what we you know what we can get out of it. So sin, in in itself, turns us inward, uh, where we we live lives that are self dominated. And of course, there's no bigger, uh, you know, no bigger enslavement than being enslaved to our own desires. And, not, and, and so, you know, God invites us uh, to look upward and, and to look to Him. And of course, that changes. Uh, the way we respond to each other as well. Yeah. And when God brings the people, you know, the Israel out of Egypt, he brings them out to live as his people, to be a light to the nations, to reflect his heart and character to those around him. And so, you know, their their rebellion and their living inwardly is, is really, I mean, one, you see the horizontal consequences of that, but we also see that mm -hmm. poor reflection of the kind of God that we mm -hmm. actually serve, mm -hmm. you know, that the, the nations look on and say they're just like every other nation and they serve a God that's just like every other nation. Mm -hmm. 
I think what stuck out too, I mean, they were people once in slavery, you know, themselves, yeah. and God had delivered them, and yet they could not in turn, you know, deliver their own people from, you know, slavery. And of course, that's the Isaiah passage that Jesus chooses when he inaugurates his ministry to set, mm -hmm. to undo the yoke and to set the bonds, for, you know, those who are in bonds free. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's what he has, you know, done for us, mm -hmm. as he did literally for the, you know, people of Israel. And he has done literally, you know, for people throughout the centuries yep. as well. And David, do you mind closing us in prayer? No, let's pray. Father, what a wonderful invitation your scriptures give us um, to look up and to see and behold you and how you have come for our good and you've set us free. And in, in so doing, you've invited us to live as your people, um, to care deeply for those around us, to work for their good and to care um, even for those um, who are our enemies. You've invited us to have a deep love for those around us because you've given us a deep love in Christ Jesus. So may we live out the realities of the gospel here and now for your glory and our joy. We pray in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Amen.